that you want to try that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Blackman. Go follow Logan Blackman and the Logan Blackman Show on all different types of social media, Twitter, Instagram, like the Facebook page, and go subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are back on the video grind with another video edition of the Logan Blackman Show podcast and an announcement to make. We talked about this, when was this, Monday? We are officially moving forward with the Logan Blackman Show actual video, not a podcast video. It's an actual Logan Blackman Show video, so be prepared for that because it's going to be exciting, and I think it's going to be a very good one, I think. As I look through the future, as I look through the glass right now, I'm seeing positivity and a great video ahead. But then on the other side, I could also see something not doing so great. But overall, I'm pumped for this video because it's something that I kind of wanted to do but never actually have. It's more of a comedy video than anything. Something I haven't really tapped into a lot on the video. Well, actually, I take that back. We had the the two lo- the just stupid humor videos like the, the Stay Informed video and um, the Logan Blackman shows now on Spotify thing. Which you can listen to Logan Blackman Show on Spotify and Apple Music, which is where you are listening to this now. So, hello, if you are listening to the actual podcast instead of watching the video. And if you're watching the video, why don't you just go subscribe to the Apple Podcasts or the Spotify links, or both. Why not just do both of them? And then while you're there, go follow and subscribe to all the Logan Blackman Show social media accounts. But I know you're sitting there if you're watching the video and going, wow, Logan, that's a very nice sweatshirt you got on. A nice red sweatshirt with red text. But I can't read it. Well, it says the Logan Blackman Show. Monochromatic. Red text on a red sweatshirt. It came in the mail some time ago. It was actually the first thing I got in the mail from Teespring. It was this in the unit of the week tank top, which I wore last Monday, I believe, for the Logan Blackman Show video. But the sweatshirt is extremely comfortable. Fits great. And it just looks cool. I love monochromatic stuff, and I'm really a fan of red sweatshirts. One of my favorite sweatshirts that I have right now is my troglodyte sweatshirt. Um, I wore it in the Stay Informed video. My good friend Andrew Gunnis made the sweatshirt. You can go check out all of his stuff, Cave Entertainment, or Cave Creating a Vision Entertainment. So make sure you go check all of that out as well. We are close to dropping the link for the merchandise. We are getting more and more stuff in the mail each day, so I'm getting the samples uh, we had one shirt come in the mail on Friday, I believe, and the logo, it was a tiny shirt logo, but the logo was crooked. It was the logo that's right here on the logo on the computer, on the Logan Blackman Show official computer, and it was crooked. So I deleted that from the website, and I'm going to try and make another one. If not, then there just won't any be, there won't be any black logo logan blackman show stuff on the website you can get yourself a face mask though with the logo there's also there's a few things with the logo on the logan blackman show website but yeah had to get rid of that that's why i'm waiting because i want everything to come in so i could see it and edit it before i actually release it because i don't want anybody to get gypped by anything by spending a decent amount of money on this stuff and they're not my prices again so don't get mad at me for the prices, if you don't, if you think it's a little too expensive or I'm not spending this much money on a podcast I don't really listen to, I'm sorry. It's not my prices. So, 
It's Teespring's price, so get mad at Teespring. No, don't get mad at anybody. We don't need anger on the Logan Blackman Show. We are about positivity. Though, I might get angry a little bit later today because, of course, today is Stay Woke Wednesday. We got a lot of different things on social media. One of my favorite Instagram accounts is back at it again. And while I was doing some other, just looking around the internet today, like five minutes before I started recording, I found another (laughs) website that has a way worse list than even DSD NFL can post. Maybe he got it from there. Maybe he's writing for this website. It's a pretty well-known website too. It's not like Walter Football or something like that where only a select few people know. This website, we'll talk about this in a little bit. I'll give you a little teaser right now. It is the worst safety list. It's an NFL safety list. Top 10 safeties in the NFL. Worst list I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen a lot of bad lists out there. This is the worst safety list. We got a lot of things to talk about for Stay Woke Wednesday. But I wanted to talk about the shirt here first. Or the sweatshirt. And I also got another sweatshirt with me. It is called Pacific. That's the color we got here. It's a Logan Blackman Show sweatshirt. It's got a hood on it. This one's our more expensive sweatshirt. This one is environmentally friendly, I think is what they say on the website. It's 60% polyester, so it shouldn't shrink in the wash, but it's super comfortable. I really like the color. It's called Pacific. I didn't know it was a color before, but it looks really cool. I would recommend getting this sweatshirt as well, but I had to wear the red sweatshirt because... I really like red sweatshirts, but make sure you go to the Logan Blackman Show website whenever I get the link up. I also got phone case on there. My phone has a phone, a new Logan Blackman Show phone case on it now. TLBS, little shortened version of the Logan Blackman Show. We're going to start making stuff with that acronym on it or, or abbreviation, whatever you want to call it. I don't really care, but we got a lot of stuff coming and I'm extremely excited for when all that stuff comes out. We got, it's going to be an exciting exciting week i think i'm gonna drop the link on saturday august 1st and i hopefully the logan blackman show video that i've been planning will be out by that day as well so it'll be a very exciting week here on the logan blackman show so stay tuned for all of this great stuff here on the podcast and the youtube channel if you're watching the youtube videos so just make sure you go subscribe to the youtube channel again 96 or something percent of you unsubscribe to the YouTube channel that watch the videos. We have 19 subscribers. Not great. We can do a lot better than 19 subscribers. But again, I talked about this the other day. I'm not overly upset that we only have 19 subscribers. I mean, I post this stuff on social media, like every form of social media. Literally, I post on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Like every time I post a video, that's where everything goes. So if you're just sitting there like, oh, well, he's going to post it somewhere and I can just swipe up on the video or whatever. I don't really need to subscribe. What's the point of subscribing if I'm just going to get it shoved down my throat by Logan every single time he makes a video? Well, then if you just subscribed, not only will you get it shoved down your throat by me, YouTube will do the same thing as well and hopefully throw it on your recommended pages. But yeah, make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And I know we talked about this yesterday, but I made a blunder. I made a tiny bit of a blunder yesterday. So, remember yesterday when I was talking about how we need to get the show out because I need to do stuff. I had a fantasy football draft at 6, so I got the show done at like 5.45. I needed to do it. I was like, I'm going to shorten the show today because I need to do this draft. I'm not going to miss the the fantasy football draft. I checked it 
right after the show is in fact on August 27th, which makes a whole lot more sense than July 27th. But I just saw the 27th and in my mind, I was like, oh, the draft's tonight. But it wasn't. It was actually a month from yesterday. So if I had the stupid helmet here, I would be rocking the stupid helmet. But sadly, I do not have the quote-unquote stupid helmet, which is on the logo. It's one of the faces on the logo, I believe. Is it? Yeah, it's the A, the first A in Blackman. So, yeah, we've got all that stuff. And I would be be wearing it, but sadly, I don't have it. I might wear it for the next video, but it's in Cedar Falls, so I guess I just have to wait until I'm up in Cedar Falls to actually get the helmet. I have another Bill's helmet that's right in front of me, but... That's not the stupid helmet. That is the early 2000s Bills helmet with Drew Bledsoe, J.P. Lossman, Trent Edwards, that era of Buffalo Bills football. The other one is from the 90s and looks like a Scott Norwood-type helmet. It's got two tiny bars on it, not the one like Scott Norwood had, but it's from around that time. And my good friend T-Boy, a big-time Patriots fan, I don't know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. They did not do this on purpose. Maybe you did. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it on purpose, but he stepped on the face mask when it was like on its, I guess the top part of the helmet, I guess, if you want to call it that, I don't really know what do you, what do you call that thing? The, the bow of the football helmet. I, I don't know. What's a bow on a ship. I don't really, okay, whatever. But he accidentally or purposefully stepped on the face mask. So up here on the top of the face mask, it disconnected from the helmet, but it's still, works so i mean it's not terrible it's nothing that bad here i'll just i'll get it for the video so hold on if you're listening to the podcast there's gonna be a tiny little break but i'll be back in like 30 seconds i ah, not 30 seconds like five seconds okay so like you see what i'm talking about here on the video it's all broken up here and it doesn't really fit my giant head anymore. I had a realization like last week. And I've always known I've had a ginormous head or gyjormous head. But I it gets put into perspective when people also are wearing a snapback. Now I've worn my Cubs hat a few times throughout these videos. And there it's a snapback. One of my friends, Brady, posted his dog on my Snapchat story. Very cute dog. Pitbull Terrier mix. Cute dog named Chunk. Beautiful puppy. But Brady had his hat on backwards. It was, uh, I think it was a Kansas City Chiefs hat. It's a Super Bowl hat. I think it was a Super Bowl Kansas City Chiefs hat. Big time Chiefs fan. Um, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes in a little bit, but he had it on backwards so I could see the number of snaps. He had all of the snaps but two buttoned on his, hel- on his hat. I got helmet in my mind because I got the Bills helmet right there down to my left. And I was like, dude... No, and I just glanced up at his hat, and I was like, oh my god, and I buttoned the hat like Brady did, and I don't have a snapback down here, it's up in my room, because I just got back from work a little bit ago, and I took a shower, and it's sitting up in my room, Uh, and I buttoned it to where his is, and it looked like I had an army hat on, like they're sitting on top of your head, and they're kind of slanted down, that's what it kind of looked like, my hats, okay, this is very bad, for or not bad it's just sad really not really bad i'm on the last button on a snapback the last 
button. If I'm lucky, depending on what snapback it is, I can get it to the second button. And I'm not talking about the last button. Like, there's one button left. I'm on the first button. There's only one button buttoned on the snapback. I got a massive head. I get made fun of for it all the time by my dad. But looking at stuff like that, I, my dad had three snaps left in his hat. And I did the same thing yesterday. I just got a big head. My head is freaking massive. I didn't have a big football helmet. I don't know why it works like that, but my snapbacks, I don't know what it is, and they fit really comfortably. It's not like it's loose and will fly off my head. No, it fits naturally. It fits really good, but uh, it's sad. It's very, very sad because my head is, I don't, I don't know. I got baby pictures and stuff right here here i got we're just going show and tell today here on the logan blam show i'm gonna set the mic down again real quick i got a baby picture right here look at this look at that big head look at that big ass head (laughs) i got a bald head is what i was saying back then look at that I don't know if it's actually in frame. I'm showing it to the camera right now. Sorry on the podcast if you're not really following what's going on. It's really just for the the video camera. But goodness gracious, I had a big old head. Not had. I still have a big old head. But you see all the the Bills paraphernalia, I guess, around me. Got the helmet with the blue. I hate the blue face mask. There were those the blue face masks were in like the red helmets with the blue face were like early Jim Kelly days. Oh, I hate those face masks. I hate that helmet combination. But they got a drawn Bills logo down below, and I got a football in my hand. Man, 1998 was when this picture was taken. Crazy. That's a cool picture, but my, I got a massive head. Does it still look like my head's almost as big as the picture frame, to be honest? It's or as big as the picture of me, isn't it? Or maybe it's a little bigger. I don't. I don't know. It's kind of sad. It's funny and sad at the same time. We just got a lot of show and tell stuff today. Don't really do a lot of show and tell around here. We got a lot of stuff in this office that I could do show and tell with, but my mom would get very upset that I would do a show and tell in the office. But those are two things that are mine, and I can will. She will willingly let me show them. I don't think she'd be too upset with me showing them if I showed the rest. She wouldn't let me film anything before I got my green screen up, which I had up in Cedar Falls. I brought it down the last time I was up in Cedar Falls, because this is a shelving unit behind me. I unit, I get unit of the week. Those are coming back soon, so get ready for some unit of the week. Actually, we haven't done a unit of the week in freaking forever, have we? Man, lack of sports units. Do something. But shelving units got a lot of crap on it. A lot of a lot of crap. Thankfully, the green screen covers. It's not a very good green screen. Um, it's very big. <laughs> is freaking massive so it's like taped to the side there's bricks like up there there's a brick down there there's a brick down there it's taped to the side back there it's just this is not professionally done i will say that and the lights there's a light there and a light there right above me and it just signs some terrible lights on the green screen so it frustrates me Every single time I throw something on the green screen, because you can, there's like a light shining. It doesn't look very good. I need to get my own lighting equipment, so I don't need to turn on the lights in here, because these lights are very bright. 
but they're angled weird so it like casts shadows on the green screen which is not very flattering for people that want to use a green or think they're good at green screens i struggled with that up at you and i but at least it was bearable up at you and i it says it's not very bearable here but they but it's a tiny thing not very big deal at least to the other people it is a big deal to me but that is beside the point so let's actually get into some talking points today mls is back tournament we had some big games last night one of arguably the most anticipated game in the MLS's back tournament, LAFC versus the Seattle Sounders, and Seattle got absolutely ass-pounded by LAFC. Insane. Absolutely insane. Now, Seattle tried to come back. They got within 2-1 to one in the 75th minute with a Will Bruin goal, but then you have a Diego Rossi goal, Rodriguez scored, and then it was just over. Former Sporting Kansas City player Latif Blessing got a goal in this game, but Diego Rossi has picked up right where Carlos Vela had left off. Carlos Vela is the best player in the MLS. I think we can all agree with that at this point in time. You can make decent argument for like Joseph Martinez or someone like that, but honestly, Carlos Vela is just on another freaking planet than everybody else in the MLS. So when he announces, I'm not playing in this tournament, and then the first game of the tournament for LAFC, they draw with the Houston Dynamo and had to come back against the Dynamo after being 3-1 down. Wasn't a lot of great feelings in there. And then they pound LA Galaxy 6-2. And in this game, I even said this yesterday. I was like, this is the game that I struggle with the most. And the winner of this game, I had going to the semifinals. Because I had, I think there would be no problem for Seattle or LAFC beating Orlando City in the quarterfinals. Unless Orlando City continues their fine form, but skill level and player-wise, I don't think they match up with the likes of the Seattle Sounders and LAFC. But LAFC in this game won 4-1, as we said. They've scored the most goals in the tournament, at least in the group stage. They scored 11 goals in the group stage. Columbus Crew, who blew out teams, only scored 7. They allowed 0, though. The Columbus Crew actually played tonight. That'll be a very, very fun game against Minnesota United. Very excited to watch that game. Columbus Crew is my pick to win this freaking tournament. So we'll see how they do. But the two games I struggle with the most were LAFC versus Seattle and NYCFC versus Toronto. We talked about LAFC and how I didn't feel comfortable with Seattle there. I I stuck with it because that was my prediction. I'm not going to lose my prediction like that. I'm not. I was kind of confident, but not really at the same time. I wasn't confident when I picked it. I wasn't confident when I submitted it. It just didn't it didn't turn out great. I was more way more confident in Toronto FC than I was with Seattle Sounders winning their group stage games. And both those games ended in blowouts, which I did not see coming. I think I said Seattle would win two to one or something like that. But LAFC, I don't know why I had them only scoring one. I even talked about it yesterday about how LAFC has scored eleven goals this tournament, which is the most out of every team in the tournament, and then they added four goals last night. LAFC's defense hasn't been great so far this tournament, but they weren't going to... I'm frustrated. I am I am very, very frustrated when I saw the score last night from that game. The other game, the uh, San Jose Earthquakes versus Real Salt Lake. Not very upset about that one. 5-2 to the Earthquakes, Chris Wondolowski. Showing why he's the greatest goal scorer in MLS history. Gets a goal in this game and is in rapid aging. Started off, Espinosa got a goal early for San Jose. The Martinez got a goal right after Espinosa for Real Salt Lake. 
Then kind of fiddle farted around. And then Erickson got a penalty in the 49th minute. But it was weird. I got kind of confused when I was looking at this yesterday when I was following the scores. Because I didn't watch the San Jose Earthquakes versus Real Salt Lake game. When I was when I looked at the scoreboard, I was surprised that Erickson still took the second penalty in the game because Chris Wondolowski was on the field at that time. That was very surprising to me. Maybe Erickson's the designated penalty taker, but Chris Wondolowski being the all-time ML goal scorer in MLS, all-time leading goal scorer in MLS history, I would have thought that he would take a penalty every trip of the train. But not disappointed with that result. Biggest uh, goals, most goals scored by the knockout stage so far. LAFC right behind a very, a lot of goals last night, nine goals to three was the combined final scores of these games. But let's talk more in depth about LAFC versus the Seattle center game that I should have saw coming. I talked about it, how LAFC have scored a crap ton of goals, but I didn't think their defense would hold up, but they can, they're like the chiefs. They remind me a lot of the chiefs. At least in this tournament. Losing Walker Zimmerman was freaking massive. One of the best defenders in the MLS. Who hasn't played in the MLS's back tournament. Due to his trade to Nashville. Nashville dropping out of the tournament. But they remind me of that. Their offense is insane. You got Rossi. Vea when he's playing. Bradley Wright Phillips is there. Diamande can score goals from time to time. But I didn't. I. If you score. If you outscore your opponent. You'll win the game. That's how sports work usually <laughs> if you outscore your opponent you'll win the game about 60 percent of the time it works every time that logic works every time it is 100 to 60 percent to 100 percent sound i guarantee that but in this game you look at what seattle had nicholas lodero jordan morris gustav svensson christian roldan but their defense not great they still had stefan fry one of the best goalkeepers in modern day MLS history, was in net, but LAFC Rossi Phillips Rodriguez starting up top. Blessing moved back into central midfield as we talked about the last game when he played against the Portland Timbers. One of the most, if not the most versatile player in the MLS, might be Latif Blessing. He can play winger, he can play striker, he can play as a number ten, he can play as a number eight. Hell, he can even play maybe as a number six. I don't know if he has ever done it, but he played as number eight last night, and he can play right back. He can probably play left back, too. He can play everywhere across the field. Great player, great young player with a lot of athleticism and versatility, which is very good for LAFC. And then uh, Kenneth Vermeer uh, came over from the Dutch League this offseason. Big upgrade in goal. LAFC was my pick to – did I have him winning MLS Cup in the predictions or did I have him losing to Atlanta? I know those two teams were in the finals. But, yeah, I I'm confident in saying this now. LAFC, with this at this point in time, they will if they beat Orlando City, which I'm confident saying they will, will play either the Columbus Crew or San Jose. That Columbus Crew versus LAFC game will be very, very exciting, and I don't know why. I, it's mostly because their defense, but they, Seattle hasn't scored a crap ton of goals this tournament so far, anyway. So I don't know. Why I was like, oh, their defense is so bad. Seattle's going to score a ton of goals past them. Seattle scored four goals in the tournament so far. They beat Vancouver. Congratulations. That's where three of their goals came from. The other two games, they scored a combined one or two. One, two, one, one, two. Two? One. Yeah. 
I'm not a math major. <laughs> I can't do simple three plus one equals four. But it's not like they were elite goal scoring team. It's, I don't know why I was so dead set on that. LAFC are a better team than Seattle. I. That's my worst prediction so far. I'm disappointed in that prediction more than any t- prediction I've made so far throughout the MLS's back tournament. I can get on. F- New York City FC have disappointed me all season so far. I was tired of it. I went with Toronto with their playoff experience, some of the more experienced players in MLS, and New York City FC beat up on Toronto 3-1. to one. Every other game I'm cool with, Philadelphia, Sporting, Orlando, San Jose, had all of those games right. And for the games tonight, we have Portland Timbers versus FC Cincinnati and the Columbus Crew versus Minnesota United. Uh, this was probably my easiest round to predict. Uh, I had the Columbus Crew and Portland Timbers winning tonight, and I didn't really think twice about it. I'm not thinking twice about it now. Uh, Columbus has been the best team in the tournament so far. They've not allowed a single goal this tournament. They've scored seven. They've won all of their games. Beat FC Cincinnati 4 nothing. The fact that Vancouver and FC Cincinnati made it to the knockout stage where the likes of DC United, the LA Galaxy, uh, the Houston Dynamo, even you could put them in that bracket too, who struggles, who haven't been a good team in a while, but lost out on a last-minute penalty, pretty much a last-minute penalty from Christian Pavone to send them home in New York City to the lock, knockout stages. I don't know. It's I, I'm i shocked that both those teams made it. And when I was making this prediction, the first two teams I was guaranteeing are pretty much going to be out of this tournament were FC Cincinnati and the Vancouver Whitecaps. They are both in the knockout. Well, not anymore. Vancouver's not in the Whitecaps knockout stages, and they stressful loss against Sporting Kansas City. Sporting finally figured their crap out against Vancouver. Not really figured it out. They kind of were just like, Tim Millie is going to save these penalties. We've been in many penalty shootouts. We know about the stuff that happened in Portland, but we're not going to let that bother us because we've won penalty. We've won MLS Cup on penalties. Like, we have played and we have had penalty shootouts in higher circumstances, higher higher intensity circumstances than what we're dealing with right now. Against a 21-year-old goalkeeper, we're fine. Would you rather go against Thomas Assault or Nick Romando? I think you'd rather choose Thomas Assault. And the Tim Melia, one of the greatest penalty savers, penalty goalkeeper, penalty takers, I don't know what you want to call it, in the MLS. Tim Melia, one of the most underrated goaltenders of the 2010s. And I'm not just saying the MLS. The fact that that dude does not have a one cap to the U.S. men's national team, and he won't get one either because he's a, in his 30s now. He's a, a, early 30s, late, mid Early to mid thirties, he's not getting a cap for the ML- the U.S. Men's National Team anytime soon, unless Greg Beerhalter just wants to throw away what he's been trying to do and install a youthful exuberance to this U.S. Men's National Team. I mean, Michael Bradley's still getting the game, so why can't Tim Millie? I mean, he's not going to start, but I think he's a better option than the likes of Sean Johnson and the likes of Brad Guzan. I would take Tim Millie, but this is also coming from a very biased Sporting Kansas City perspective here. But, yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. Stefan Fry has even been called up to the U.S. men's national team. Not, he hasn't played a game yet, but he got called up under Bruce Arena. He's not American. He's Swiss. So why not give a guy like Tamilia a chance in the U.S. men's national team to earn his strike? He is arguably the best player the U.S. has at their disposal right now. I'd say it's either him or Ike Opara. Now, they're not going to get caps because they're older guys now that haven't ever received a cap for the United States men's national team. Igo Parra is a two-time MLS Defender of the Year with Sporting Kansas City and then with Minnesota United last year. 
injuries kind of hampered anything of trying to go to the U.S., but his, his athletic ability, his speed at center back, how the U.S. never called him up, I'll never really know. And same thing with Tim Melia, with how good of a run he's had for Sporting Kansas City ever since he came to the club as an emergency backup goaltender, really. But that's my I, he deserves a call-up, and I it pains me that he has yet to receive a call for the United States men's national team. But I digress. As we were saying, though, uh, Portland Timbers versus FC Cincinnati, Minnesota United versus Columbus Crew. The Crew versus United will be on at 7 p.m. tonight. Reminder, we're filming, we're editing this or recording this the day before it's released. So you guys will know the scores when this podcast is eventually released. I do not know the scores right now because the games have not been played. And we got the Portland Timbers versus FC Cincinnati at 9.30 Central Time right after Columbus versus Minnesota United. And before those games happen, let's look at the knockout stage pairings right now. So we got Philadelphia Union versus Sporting Kansas City. NYCFC will play the winner of FC Cincinnati and Toronto or in Portland. We have Orlando City versus L- Los Angeles FC, which sound, yeah, Los Angeles FC just sounds weird. LAFC sounds better. It's like NYCFC sounds better than New York City FC. At least to me, maybe that, that's just a little nitpicky, I guess, but I like how that sounds better than Los Angeles FC because I think of the LA Galaxy when I think of Los Angeles FC, even though that's not their name. And then the San Jose Earthquakes will play the winner of Columbus versus Minnesota. So that's what we've got in the MLS's back tournament so far. And I released my, um, what did I do? I taught, we released our Premier League team of the season predictions this morning. So we'll see when those get released on who gets voted to the uh, the Premier League best 11 and all of that kind of stuff. I guess we didn't make, well, that, no, that is a best 11. What am I talking about? Do the We should have done the awards and everything and actually posted something about the awards. But we never did. We talked about it yesterday, though, so if you're listening to the podcast now, I'd recommend you go and listen to yesterday's because yesterday's was fun. Talking about a lot of soccer, the MLS, and the Premiership. Talking about Team of the Seasons, giving awards out. Looking at my old predictions as well. Almost a year ago, was it August 9th, 2019, we released those? Jeez, it's a long time ago. We got 48 days to the next Premier League season. We got a lot of trains rumors going about right now. It's Lions season, it's BS season, and a lot of teams are going to be saying, oh, we want this guy, and then eventually it just never does because newspapers will draw up their own transfer rumors just to get clicks on websites. You see that in the NFL draft a lot about teams really liking this player, that they're going to trade up to get him. Like, New England's going to trade up for Justin Herbert. Only idiots would fall out. I'll fall for that because I died. Oh, God, whatever. But, yeah. So, speaking of the NFL, the NFL has been slowly releasing their NFL Top 100 Players of 2020. Let's go over the list so far on who has made, who is the Top 100 Players in the NFL. So, we got 100 to 41 have been released. So, here we go. At 100, Levante David, Darren Waller, the tight end for the Raiders, Brandon Brooks, Buda Baker, safety for the Cardinals. Chris Carson, who would battle a lot of injuries last year, but still a very good running back. Frank Clark, Jason Kelsey, maybe a little underrated there. Allen Robinson, Darius Slay, Grady Jarrett. That's your 90, 100 to 91. Now let's go to the 890 to 81. We have got Kyler Murray, Cooper Cup, who had a very impressive year last year. Jalen Smith for the Cowboys. Joshua Patrick Allen at 87. Then we've got Marlon Humphrey, 
who is way too low on this list. Top three corner, in my humble opinion. I would put him right behind Trey Davis White and Stephon Gilmore. And we'll talk about Trey Davis White in a little bit. Talk about underrated again for Trey Davis White. Zach Ertz at 85. Cam Hayward at 84. Eric Kendricks at 83. Ryan Ramchick at 82. Who was a first-team All-Pro last year, so that might be a little low. But he wasn't in the rankings last year. But does he get ranked? Does he deserve to get ranked behind DK Metcalf? I don't know. Now, this is a list by the players, but some players don't believe this is really by the players. You see the likes of Devontae Adams tweeting about this. You see the likes of Chris Harris tweeting about this. But, yeah. This is kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Miles Garrett, 80, dropped a lot from... 49 last year because of the whole helmet bashing thing I would assume but he was having a great season before the helmet bashing uh Clias Campbell at 79 Tyrone Smith at 78 Keenan Allen at 77 uh Marshawn Lattimore at 76 Earl Thomas 75 Ronnie Stanley at 74 another first team all pro selection at least I think he's first team all pro he's at least a pro bowler uh, Fletcher Cox at 73, dropping down from 28. Josh Jacobs, 72. Andrell Casey at 71. Out of this list, I, you could say a lot of these guys should be ranked a little higher. I don't know if I would necessarily rank Josh Jacobs above the guys like Ronnie Stanley, like Earl Thomas, like Marshawn Lattimore, Keenan Allen, Tyrone Smith, Kalias Campbell, and Miles Garrett. I don't know if I'd rank Josh Jacobs above those guys. But that's it's not my list. Um, 70 to 61, we have Fred Warner, Larry Fitzgerald, Ryan Tannehill at 68, who had a very nice year last year, Demario Davis, Laramie Tunsil, Tyler Lockett, uh, Harrison Smith at 64, Preston Smith, David Bakhtiari, who is, might be the best left tackle in the NFL at 62, and the Jarvis Landry at 61. Um, yeah, there's another part of the list for you, Ryan Tannehill. At 68, interesting, but based on last year, it's hard to argue. Because that's what a lot of people, I think, don't understand about these lists. It's about the most recent year. But, like, I don't know. Then there's situations where J.J. Watt was ranked in the top 10 or top 15, and he didn't even play the entire season. He didn't even play a game that season. But, I don't know. Logan Ryan at 60, you're going to tell me. I'm not saying Logan Ryan's a bad corner. I think Logan Ryan's a talented corner. But you're going to sit there and tell me. That Logan Ryan and these players, if they are players, are ranking Logan Ryan above Mar- Marlon Humphrey. And I can hear you go, oh, Logan, but Marlon Humphrey wasn't on the list last year, so it makes sense that he's in the 80s. Well, Logan Ryan wasn't on it last year. I don't know. Marlon Humphrey is better. Odell Beckham, 59. Would you rank Odell Beckham above Jarvis Landry at this point? I don't know. Kirk Cousins at 58. Devontae Adams, 57, which is disrespectful to Devontae Adams. I know he was hurt, but a little, dis- little disrespectful. DeForest Buckner, Zach Martin, Stephon Diggs, Marcus Peters at 53, Chris Jones, 52, and Todd Gurley at 51. You cannot rank Todd Gurley at 51 from what he did last year, which is unfair to Todd Gurley because of all the injuries his body is failing on him, but you cannot rank him at 51. Behind a lot of these, like, like, Marcus Peters at 53. He wasn't on the list last year. Mark, He's not better than Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey's the best corner the Ravens got, and Marlon Humphrey's ranked in the friggin' 80s. Logan Ryan and Marcus Peters, you're telling me they are better corners than Marlon Humphrey? 
Maybe the players know something that I don't. Marlon Humphrey's got something. He's They've got some pictures of him like, you will be fine being ranked in the 80s. Darius Leonard at 50, Amari Cooper 49, uh, Zadarius Smith 48, which is a little, might be a little low for him. Tredavious White at 47 is blasphemous. That is a terrible, terrible spot for the second best corner in the NFL. And you know what's even sadder is that Stephon Gilmore will be a top five player this year. And you're telling me that Tredavious White and Stephon Gilmore are going to be separated by, what, 32 spots? I'm just assuming that he's going to be the fifth best player in the league this year. I'm scared to know which corners are above Tredavious White at this point. Like, that's terrible. That's a terrible ranking for Tredavious White. 47. Like, listen to this reasoning. While another cornerback won Defensive Player of the Year in 2019, none were more dominant than White. He didn't allow a touchdown in coverage despite 83 targets and also tied for the NFL lead in interceptions. Now he's a pro bowler and a top 100 member. You just read all of that. You hear that? 83 targets, no touchdowns allowed, also led the NFL in interceptions. So let's rank him at 49. What? How does that make sense? Like, if you didn't look at the rankings, and I read you that description for Javius White, you would think top 20 player. Led the league in interceptions. No, none, more do, none dominated more than White. Didn't allow a touchdown? Led the league in picks? Oh, I'm guessing he's a top 20, top 20, 15 player maybe. At worst, top 25. Nope. He's actually 47th. Because that makes sense. The description does not match the rating. I don't get that at all. Logan Ryan is above Marlon Humphrey and Tredavious White's at 47. The disrespect to these corners is insane. 46 is Dak. Dak was second in the league in passing yards, so I don't know if that's that great of a ranking for Dak. J.J. Watts, 45. Mark Ingram, 44. Jimmy G, 43, because he went to a Super Bowl, so I guess makes sense. Alvin Kamara, 42. And then Jadavian Clowney at 41. This list so far is very confusing. I know this is supposed to be by the players, for the players, or whatever, but... I don't know if I necessarily agree that or think that this is all made by NFL players. So you look on Twitter, there's not a lot of NFL players that are very happy with this list. Like Chris Harris was talking about, he's never been on the top 100 list, and yet he's an all-decade team member. So that makes, that's how little sense these lists make. I do not believe these lists were written by the players. I think some of the players' intake was put in on this, but overall... I think it just led to nothing. The fact that Tradavius White's 47 in their description literally is none were more dominant than White. He didn't allow a touchdown in 83 targets and also led the league in interceptions. 47 for Tradavius White. That is effing disrespectful to Tradavius White. Good Lord, that's bad. Logan Ryan at 60. I didn't even think Logan Ryan would be in the top 100. No disrespect to Logan Ryan. He's got a great first name. This kid I went to high school with. His name is Logan Ryan. You're older than me. But better than Marlon Humphrey? Just behind 13 spots behind Tredavious White? Most people don't have Logan Ryan in the top 10 in their quarterbacks. You'll see a Dory Jackson in some top 10s. Some. It's very rare you'll see Logan Ryan in a top 10 cornerbacks list. Now, he's the 60th best player 
in the NFL. And Logan Ryan, this is not a discredit to him. Logan Ryan is a fantastic NFL cornerback. He's a fantastic NFL player. This is not disrespecting Logan Ryan. This is about talking about the disrespect to Marlon Humphrey and Tredavious White. Logan Ryan should not be mentioned in the same breath at this point in time than those two, and with those two, who are top three corners in the NFL. And I won't hear otherwise on that. Uh, other things I have a problem with that we talked about a little bit, Odell Beckham above Jarvis Landry. Would you really rank that this year? I don't really know. Devontae Adams, I know he was hurt last year, but dropping into 57. That, like, J.J. Watts ranked really high, and he barely played last year. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't even really – now, this is going to sound extremely biased. I don't really care, though. I have no problem. I was shocked. I got done recording my show on Sunday night for Monday, and I got the update from the Bills app that Josh Allen was ranked 87th. I was shocked that he made the list. But do I think he deserves it? Yes. Do I think he deserves to be ranked as as far as I've seen? Now, as Twitter says this, but it's not right because he's actually on the list. They said that Dak and Wentz are not on the list, but Dak was ranked. I would hope that Carson Wentz is ranked higher in this list than the four, the however many quarterbacks have been mentioned so far. Ryan Tannehill had a great year last year, so I honestly have no problem with him at 68, if I'm being 100% honest. But these rankings are kind of... And Ronnie Stanley, Ryan Ramchek, as low as they are, Ryan Ramchek was a... I know he was a first-team All-Pro. Was Ronnie Stanley a first-team All-Pro? He had to be around it. I don't know if he actually was or not. But there's a few problems with this list. And it's supposed to be by the players. But I don't know how many players actually... Votes actually counted towards this list. Or how many players they actually interviewed. Because they... Like hell, they interviewed every single NFL player to get their opinion on this. I think Josh Allen is a vastly underrated quarterback who makes amazing plays all across the field and has actually has the most or tied with the most comeback drives or game-winning drives in the NFL since he's been in the league. He has more. He has as many rushing touchdowns as an actual running back in Saquon Barkley while playing less games than him. I don't know. You read this. Um, Allen does it all year, too. Leading the Bills to the playoffs, Allen threw 20 high, twenty touchdowns, 3,000 yards, and made plays on the ground with 511 yards, which is third most in the NFL for a quarterback, with nine more touchdowns, which led all QBs in 2019. Look at Marlon Humphrey's description. Making his debut on the 100, top 100 list, Humphrey earned his first, first team all-pro selection after a breakout season. I don't get it. I don't get this list so far. How the hell is Marlon? You literally say, earned first team all pro honors. Travis White, nobody dominated more than White, even though somebody else won the Defensive Player of the Year award. Though there's a few things on this list, this list is not great. And that's a perfect segue for Stay Woke Wednesday. Explosions. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about with Stay Woke Wednesday. I didn't want to talk about the top 100 list a lot. But someone we could expect being at the top of the list, Patrick Mahomes, actually bought a share in the Kansas City Royals today. That dude is Kansas City. And it bugs me because, actually, I have no problem with the city of Kansas City. Sporting Kansas City, 
playing Kansas City, Kansas. Sporting Kansas City. That's the only team in Kansas City I respect. Don't like the Royals, hate the Chiefs with a burning passion. But I played for Sporting Sporting Iowa, played for JOSC. So by default, I was just like, when I was younger, I was like, oh, I'll be a Sporting Kansas City fan. Or I'll be a KC Wizards fan. So we went down to tournaments there too, and the KC Wizards practice facility was down there. But Patrick Mahomes, Mr. Kansas City, pretty much. Crazy. Patrick Mahomes is Kansas City at this point. Freaking insane amount of money buying fo- buying baseball teams or shares in baseball team. Lord knows the Royals need it. Patrick Mahomes, son of a former baseball player, played baseball throughout his life. Hopefully he knows a little bit more about baseball than the people that are running the Kansas City Royals who have been a not great franchise. I mean, they've had some great players like George Brett. They had that great World Series team, or not great, but a really good team that won the World Series. Like so Eric Hosmer, Alex Gordon, Salvador Perez. Then you got the likes of Lorenzo Cain, Ben Zobrist. Like, they had some really talented players. Mike Moustakis was on that team, too. None of them are really doing anything spectacular now, except for, I would say, Lorenzo Cain is probably the best out of those guys at this point. Because Eric Hosmer hasn't really done that great in San Diego. Mike Moustakas got transitioned to second base. Hasn't really done a lot since he left. So, Ben Zobrist obviously was the best out of those guys. But, I'm talking about right now because Ben Zobrist is retired. Cubs are stressful, man. Speaking of Ben Zobrist and speaking of the Cubs. Almost blew an 8-1 lead last night. Won 8-7. The Cubs bullpen, still scary. John Lester's thrown a no-hitter, pulled through five. And then the bullpen kicks in. Yeah, scary stuff. But we're not here to talk about baseball. This is Stay Woke Wednesday. We got to talk about some crappy opinions from the world of social media about the world of sports. So where's the first one that I want to talk about here? I got them all saved on my laptop now. So Diaz the NFL, a fan favor of the show, friend of the show, Diaz the NFL. Diaz Day NFL, still don't really know how to say it, came out with his AFC East predictions. So, you don't know what the AFC East is, Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. Fantastic. So, he came out with his predictions. We kind of touched on this, like, a week ago or two weeks ago. I can't remember when was the last time we touched on this because, like, I had the Bills going 13-3. I think I had them going 11-5 this year, maybe 12-4 if they're lucky. But he had them going 13-3. Okay? I'm not a... I'm not going to sit here and say that's going to be their record because I don't think it will be their record. Patriots 6-10, and 10, Jets, Dolphins 3-13. So his, his division records, let's read these out too because these are very interesting. This is the most interesting part about this whole scenario. So 4-2 and two for the Bills, 3-3 three and three for the Patriots, 2-4 and four with the Dolphins, and 2-4 and four with the Jets. The math on this is 11-13. You can't go 11 and 13 against yourself. You don't play the division six times. <laughs> this would route you 11 and 13 that there's four teams. You play each team twice. So at most, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, maybe I. I don't know. This is not a great one. Maybe my math's off, but 
four and two, so four, seven, nine, eleven. Okay, sick. And then two, five, nine, thirteen. Very impressive stuff there. I don't know. I maybe I'm. There was a comment on there. Now looking at it back, um, I don't know. But someone said Jesus. That's bold. Yeah, that is very very bold. This guy Noah Font eight eleven and five Bills nine seven Pats seven nine Fins six and ten Jets. I could see that. I could see that. But uh, yeah. Oh, wait, what? I thought the picture they used wasn't Cam Newton for a little bit, but it it, it is. Uh, next one on this list: top ten players heading to twenty twenty. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Russell Wilson, Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, Stephon Gilmore, Lamar Jackson, Christian jo- Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, Aaron Rodgers. Interesting list to say the least on your top ten players in the NFL. It's a little bit later posted a top 10 defensive lineman for 2020. His top 10 defensive lineman read Chris Jones, TJ Watt, and Aaron Donald. It's top three. Need I remind you who he said the best players were for the 2020 season? He said Aaron Donald was the second best player in the NFL, yet he is the third best defensive lineman in the NFL. Chandler Jones, who is the best defensive lineman coming back, who is really not a defensive lineman. He's an edge rusher. He has him ranked as the eighth best defensive lineman, defensive lineman in the NFL. But he's the best defensive lineman. Second, eighth best player. First best defensive lineman. Very impressive stuff there. Khalil Mack was rated number nine on this list. If you want to put TJ Watt and Chandler Jones on here who are not defensive linemen, you have to throw in Khalil Mack. And then also on this list, top ten defensive lineman. Dante Fowler, is he really a top 10 defensive lineman? What is he ranked top 10 in? Top 10 defenders on the Falcons? Like, I. Top 10 defend. What? Nick Bosa's behind him? Dante Fowler is above Cleo Mack and Nick Bosa. Those are just the people that are coming to my head. There's probably more that I could mention on this. But you can't have Chandler Jones be the best defensive lineman in the NFL even though he's not a defensive lineman, and then have him ranked eighth as the eighth best player in the NFL. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Maybe it does to other people, but to me, that's not, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I got also got on his Instagram page just to have it up for today's show. He has to be a troll. I do not believe he is actually serious about this. There's no way he could be serious about this. So he released a list. We kind of roasted these types of lists a few weeks ago. Uh, top 10 corners coming into the NFL for 2020. I agree with his top three. Gilmore, White, Humphrey. And then Chris Harris, who's not the best corner on the Chargers. He's a great corner, but I would rank Casey Hayward higher than him. And I do definitely don't think Chris Harris is the fourth best corner in the NFL. Then Richard Sherman, 5th, Jalen Ramsey, 6th, Jair Alexander, 7th, Marshall Lattimore, 8th, Darius Slay, nine, Byron Jones, 10. Do I have any really big problems with this list? Not really. I would switch, I'd switch the order around, but I don't know. I, I have really no problems, really, with this list. Joe Hayden could be on the list as well for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I, 
it's not really an issue here. I would rate Casey Hayward above Chris Harris. And I wouldn't rate Chris Harris fourth. That's where I stand on that. But his other list is the safeties list, which I find interesting. He has Jamal Adams at one, which, sure, I agree with. Minka Fitzpatrick, two, yada, yada, yada. But number eight, Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson is not a safety. Patrick Peterson is a cornerback. <laughs> yeah, he's. I. this is why I refuse to believe this channel is serious anymore. The stuff like that. Patrick Peterson as the eighth best corner in the NFL. There's no way. Or not corner, safety. Eighth best safety. And then, yeah, there's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the freaking Patrick Peterson one is great. No Eddie Jackson on this list is also great. Earl Thomas being ranked fourth. A few days ago, or a few years ago, yeah, sure. But Tyron Matthew at seven. I, Derwin James, I would rank higher than Earl Thomas at this point in time. Same with Tyron Matthew. I think Tyron Matthew probably in the top three. Eddie Jackson also has to be on this list. But this is why I'm starting to believe that he's not really serious anymore. He has to be trolling. He has to be trolling. Like... I think he's just doing this to get a rise out of people. And it's working because you can't honestly have stuff that contradicts itself like this. Like we've talked about him saying the Titans are overrated thing, also having them going 13 and three. So I don't know if that computes, but USA today, they came out with a safety list on what, what day was this July 13th, 2020. So about two weeks ago, they came out with this list. And good lord, it's a safety list too. Uh, start off with safety tandems: Mike and Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith. Best in the NFL. I think the Bills tandem is the best, but whatever. So we we'll start off it's top eleven. Devin McCourty at eleven. Start off there. Not a bad safe. Not a bad start. Earl Thomas at ten. Okay. Then at number three, or number three at number nine, Micah Hyde who I think Micah Hyde should be talked about more in these top 10 lists. Most underrated player, defensive player in the NFL, in my opinion. But again, I'm biased, so I admit that. Number eight, Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, I can see why you might rank him eight instead of in the top five, because he wasn't amazing his first couple years in the NFL, before he got to Pittsburgh. But the way he changed Pittsburgh's defense when he came over, that's what should rank him in around the top five. Eighth might be a little low for uh, my boy Minka Fitzpatrick. Harrison Smith, seven. One of the most underrated safeties in the NFL, again, right there at seven. I think it's about right for him right now. Tyron Matthew at six. Maybe rank him a little higher. Don't have anything extremely wrong with that. Number eight, uh, Jamal Adams. Or number five, I don't know why I'm talking. Their thing is ordered like, on the bottom, you click the pages in the eighth page, but it's number five. Fifth is Jamal Adams. I don't know if you could rank Jamal Adams as the fifth best safety in the NFL. I think you would have to rank him at worst second in the NFL. Fifth in the NFL? 
And they literally said last year Adams was elite in almost every facet of the game. You could actually begin with what he did in rush, rushing the passer. He was often used as a blitzer, and Adams gathered 25 total pressures, 7 sacks, and 7 quarterback hurries. I mean, come on. Like, it's... I don't know. That's... Yeah, 5, little low. Marcus Williams at 4? The guy that gave up the Minneapolis Miracle and basically gave the Minnesota Vikings the win last year in the playoffs, too? Um... I think Marcus Williams is good. Do I rank him in the top 10, especially above Jamal Adams? Hell no. I don't rank him above anybody in this list. Has been mentioned yet. We still haven't gotten Eddie Jackson yet. So we'll see who's at number three, two, and one. Marcus Williams at four. It's a little crazy. Kevin Byard. Okay. I am cool with Kevin Byard being in a top 10 list. Three might be a tiny bit high. Very underrated player. One of the best Pure ball hawking safeties in the NFL. Number three, though, might be high. I think you can. I think he could be a top five safety if you really wanted him to put there. Get him put there. I might be able to agree with that. Dude's awesome. He's an awesome ball hawking safety. Number two, Justin Simmons, Denver Broncos. I think Justin Simmons is a very, very, very good safety. Easily top ten safety in the NFL. Two might be high, but. I don't know. I can see him being placed in the top five list. And the number one, the creme to the creme in this safeties list is Minnesota Vikings safety, Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris has played five seasons in the NFL. One was significant playing time. And he had a good year last year. I'll give him credit on the good year he had last year. But no. <laughs> With what he can do bound field and what Smith can do near line of scrimmage, there's no surprise that he's this is one of the best safety pairings. Yeah, I would say last year it was a very nice safety pairing. But, I don't know. I wouldn't really put him as the number one safety in the NFL. That's a little ridiculous. I can see him being put in a top ten. I've made fun of lists that had him in a top five. I can see him being pushed as a later pick in the top ten. Because he's had, again, one good year. And he wasn't first-team All-Pro like Derwin James was in his one year. Like, you can say Derwin James is a top-five safety in the league because of that one year. He was a first-team All-Pro. Anthony Harris had a good year last year. Was Anthony Harris a first-team All-Pro? I guess I'm not really 100% sure, so let's check that real quick. Because if he is, I'll take all of that back and say, yep, he should be ranked as the best safety in the NFL. Okay, let's scroll down. Nope, he was just the NFL interceptions co-leader last year. That was it. He didn't get put on first team all pro like Derwin James did in his first year. Or like Jamal Adams has been one of the, who is the best safety in the NFL, can do everything, Swiss army knife of a defensive defensive back. He's not better than Eddie Jackson. He's not better than Kevin Byard. He's not better than Minka Fitzpatrick. He's not better than Harrison Smith. He's not better than Tyron Matthew. He's not better than Justin Simmons. He's not better than Micah Hyde. He's not better than anybody on this top 10 list. Now, maybe you can say Devin McCourty is better than. Maybe you could say, yeah, Logan, he is better than Micah Hyde. You're just being biased. I don't care. There's no reason he should be listed as the best safety in the NFL at all. 
wasn't first team all pro i'm not gonna put the pro bowl in there i'm not gonna stick, put that on as like a significant thing because mitchell trubisky's made a pro bowl so yeah best safety in the nfl not a chance in hell not a chance in hell uh best quarterback from each conference uh this is all from the big boys in college football the big conferences uh ACC, Trevor Lawrence, Big 12, Sam Ellinger, Big 10, Justin Fields, SEC, Kyle Trask, Pac-12, Keaton Slovis. I have no problems with that whatsoever. You might can argue, maybe can argue Spencer Rattler based off his potential, but he hasn't played, so you can't rank him at number one. Kyle Trask, uh, there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in the SEC right now that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. You might... I don't know, Mac Jones, Bo Nix are the only quarterbacks I can really think of. KJ Costello, Kevin Mond. But I don't really have a problem with anybody on this list being ranked as the best in their conferences. What do we got on here? Nah, not that one. That's not really important. Um, eh, That one's not really that important either. That one's not really important either. That one's not really important either. Oh, most underrated quarterbacks in America. We have... Dorian Thompson-Robinson on here, Max Duggan, Bo Nix, Hooker for Virginia Tech, and I don't know the Indiana quarterback's name, but he is all on this list. I would agree that Dorian Thompson-Robinson is extremely underrated because he plays for a bad football team. But just watch the film. I know it's only one game, but watch the film of the UCLA versus Washington State game to see what this dude's capable of. Max Duggan, I don't know if he's underrated. He didn't play great last year. That's his true freshman season. I wouldn't call him underrated by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's got a lot of potential, but I don't know about underrated. Same with Bo Nix. He gets talked about. He was a freshman. I don't really know if he's underrated. Him and Max Duggan didn't really do anything worth noting last year. Duggan struggled with accuracy at times last year. Nix struggled with inconsistencies as well, but that just comes with the territory as a true freshman in a big-time conference like the Big 12 or the SEC. Do I think they're underrated? No. I think they got a lot of potential, but I don't think anybody's really underrating these guys. Uh, best player at each position. Prediction for 2020 season. Mahomes, QB, yeah. Barkley, running back, no. McCaffrey, Thomas, wide receiver. Based off last year, sure. Uh, you could argue Julio or... Uh, what's his name? I'm blanking. DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> uh, Tyron Kittle, Yeah. I'm to tackle Ramchick, not according to the NFL top 100 list. He's ranked in the eighties. Uh, Quentin Nelson. Yes. Guard Kelsey. Nope. He's rated in the nineties for top 100. So nope, definitely not him. Yes. Probably Kelsey edge. J TJ Watt. Now this is just predictions. So I'm not going to bash on these completely. TJ Watt. Sure. He's a lot of people are thinking he can win defensive player of the year. Donald. Yeah. For interior D lineman. Demario Davis. Nope. He's rated in the eighties too for the top 100 list. Can't happen. And Ramsey at corner and safety Mingus Patrick. They're just predictions. So, and they're not saying who's the best. It just says prediction for 2020. I'm not going to sit here and bash that one. Um, What else do we got on here? For stay with top 10 SEC quarterbacks of the last decade. Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, Johnny Tua, Aaron Murray, AJ McCarron, Dak Prescott, Josh Dobbs, Drew Locke, and... I'm blanking. What? He's on the Bills. Jake Fromm. Good Lord. I don't know why I was blanking so much. Uh, Joe Burrow's above Cam Newton. 
Joe Burrow literally had the best season a quarterback in college football has ever had, so he has to be number one on this list. Johnny Football, I think I'd rank him right behind Cam Newton. Cam Newton won an MVP, won a national championship. I think AJ McCarron is very disrespected on this list at six. Dude won multiple national championships, won the Maxwell Award, was a Heisman finalist. I'd put him up there above Aaron Murray. What? I'd put him behind Dak Prescott, too. Dak Prescott got it Mississippi State to number one overall ranking in the country. Now, they didn't hold it for the entire season, but they got there, which is impressive enough. I would not put Aaron Murray at five. Aaron Murray, I believe, Georgia's all-time leading passer, but what did he do at Georgia compared to what these other quarterbacks did? Johnny Mantell was the first freshman ever to win a Heisman. Tua went to won a national championship coming in for Jalen Hurts. AJ McCarron won multiple national championships. Heisman finalist, same with Tua. Dak Prescott got Mississippi State to number one in the country. Aaron Murray did some things good at Georgia. Led them in passing yards. But I don't know if I, I can't rank him above McCarron and Dak Prescott on this list. Um, now we got this one. Why would you, why, why you shouldn't take the top 100 players seriously? Josh Allen is ranked ahead of Brandon Books and Jason Kelsey. Well, I will tell you, Patrick, Eagles, PMC, they're different positions. Do I think Brooks and Kelsey should be ranked a lot higher? Yes. But you're not going to sit here and compare positions when they're ranking every single player in the NFL. Like, when I'm saying, oh, this guy is not better than this guy, I'm comparing positions. When I said Marlon Humphrey is not worse than Logan Ryan, I didn't say Marlon Humphrey is not worse than Odell Beckham. You can't say that. You can compare them by positions, but these guys being offensive linemen right behind a quarterback, which is the most important position on the football field next to the left tackle as well. I don't know if you can really make that statement. I get you don't like Josh Allen, which is fair. A lot of people don't like Josh Allen, but that's slowly unraveling for everybody, so it's fine. But, yeah, you can't... if. You can say an offensive lineman worse is worse than another offensive lineman. You can't say this quarterback's worse than this offensive lineman. That's not really fair to the quarterback. I get you're an Eagles fan, so it's not really going to go through. It's going to go in one year out the other. But that's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, big game bangle, bangle designs. Josh Allen might not be a top 87 quarterback, let alone player. Then proceeds to rank Josh Allen the second best quarterback in the AFC East. So how bad are Tua... And Sam Darnold. Now, two hasn't played yet, so I can get why you don't put you put him at four. I do the exact same thing. But top eighty, I get you're trying to be funny, but then you can't come back and then rank him second and best in the division. That'd be that's kind of interesting. For people who actually think Kyler Murray and Josh Allen are better than Carson Wentz, is it confirmed that Carson Wentz is not in this top one hundred list? Because I also saw that Dak Prescott wasn't in the top one hundred list, and he was ranked in the forties. So I, is this possible that they? We, they just haven't released him yet on the top 100 list. And we're just overreacting a little bit because our favorite player is not on this list yet. I don't know. Uh, is Car- I don't know if Carson Wentz is on this. I haven't watched a single second of the top 100 list. So I couldn't, I honestly can't tell you what happened here. But yeah, now we got Josh Allen wasn't as inaccurate as we all thought. When targeting his top three, his starting three wide receivers, he was above average. See chart. What kills completion percentage? Try a league high 7.3% drop rate, mostly from his tight ends and running backs, rookies, career plus career backups. Knox Singletary had 14 drops on 91 targets. 
Josh Allen has the 7.3 drop rate last year, but he's not accurate. No, he's not accurate. He's a terrible quarterback, and we should not mention him in the same breath as any other quarterback in the NFL. Forget what he's done. No, he's terrible. He absolutely sucks. Terrible quarterback. Josh Allen, his first three game against Adam Gase, 977 total yards, nine touchdowns against the Jets. But we're going to say that he is way worse than any other quarterback in the NFL because our pre-draft predictions are slowly unraveling and we do not like it. Imagine being a fan of a train wreck franchise that keeps attacking another team's QB to make themselves feel better. At Jets fans, because I'm guessing that was at Jets fans. No one's added in that, but Jets fans constantly say, Josh Allen is worse than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is better than Josh Allen. And I'm not going to say that these two are comparable quarterbacks, but the last half of the season last year, last eight games of last season, Josh Allen, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers, 10 touchdowns, two picks. 1,591 yards for Josh Allen, passing yards. 1,678 passing yards for Rodgers. Six rushing touchdowns for Josh Allen, none for Aaron Rodgers. 57.5 57.5 completion percentage for Josh Allen, 58.7% for Aaron Rodgers. 90.6 passer rating for Josh, 84.2 for Aaron Rodgers. Am I saying that these two are actually comparable quarterbacks? No, but look at the stat, because stats don't tell the whole story, obviously. But stop with the whole Josh Allen's trash thing, because it doesn't really make any sense anymore. You're just sounding stupid. Uh, Josh Allen had the highest percentage drop rate last season and the eighth highest in 2018. I don't know what to tell you anymore. If you're still on the bandwagon that Josh Allen sucks because your NFL draft predictions are starting to look like complete garbage, I don't know what to tell you. I watched a video today that said Joe Burrow is going to be the next bust in the NFL. We haven't seen him play yet. How are you going to label him a bust? There's some things that I don't like about Justin Herbert. I just was very adamant about that. Throughout the draft process, there's a lot of things I don't necessarily love about Justin Herbert. He has the intent. He has all the things you look for. Size, cannon of an arm, mobile, won the biggest stages, won the Rose Bowl. Fits Anthony Lynn's style of offense to a T-Mobile quarterback. Can make every single throw on the football field. But you said he literally said he will be the next bust in the NFL. I'm not ready to say that yet because, again, he has not played a single snap in the NFL because those people, and his videos are very creative. He does a lot of scouting videos. I'm not saying he's going to be wrong 100%, but I wouldn't risk my neck on the line because if he does turn out to be the franchise savior for the L.A. Chargers, that's going to come back to bite him. I hope he's ready to handle that because I can't do that. So I would never actually sit there and go, yeah, this guy is a bust before he's even played a snap in the NFL. That's what we have never said. We did not say about Daniel Jones. We did not say that about Josh, like a lot of people were, and that's people are still saying that now, but can't just realize that they're wrong and just can't move on from it. Like, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is going to be, this is going to sound very weird and very strange to a lot of people, but I will place a bet that Josh Allen will win the 2020 NFL MVP. Now, he could have a very bad year. He could have a very bad year. That's all there's as Likely as he is to have a great year, there's always a chance that he has a terrible year. Every quarterback has that. Every not every quarterback is guaranteed a great season following another great season, following a great good season. It's not always the case here. But if he, I'll bet like ten dollars on it. 
if Josh Allen wins the MVP, I'll be I'll be getting a nice little payday. If he doesn't, I'm out ten dollars. I don't really care. But I'm gonna go on a limb and say just to do that. And if he doesn't, oh well. If he does, whoo, I'm getting a nice little paycheck. Not a massive paycheck, but a good one. A good a good enough one. But yeah. That's how we're gonna end it today. Talking about Josh Allen bet. Talk about him winning the MVP this year. Do I... Uh, okay. Not a lot of people were betting Lamar Jackson win the MVP last year, and he ended up winning the MVP. So I'm feeling confident or comfortable saying that I can predict Josh Allen to win it because it's not always the most likely candidate that wins the MVP. I don't think a lot of people were saying Matt Ryan was going to win an MVP when he won one. But he did. Won an MVP. I don't think a lot of people were saying after Adrian Peterson came back early from his ACL tears that he's going to go on to almost break an NFL record and then win an MVP. I don't think a lot of people after Peyton Manning came back from neck surgery and was basically out of the NFL was going to win an MVP and then go to a Super Bowl and break NFL records. But he did that. It's not always the most likely candidate that wins the MVP. Not always that. I don't think a lot of people really thought Patrick Mahomes would win an MVP in his first season start and throw 50 touchdowns. Maybe some people did. But hey, that's why we do this. So I'm going to place $10 bet on Josh Allen winning the MVP this year. Again, if he does, awesome. And I'm rubbing it in everybody's faces. If not, then he doesn't. And I'm out $10. But with that being said, let's end the show here today. Uh, Fun show. My throat's a little scratchy right now. But yeah. Good show, in my humble opinion. Video coming out very soon for the Logan Blackman show. Actual, like an actual video, not a podcast clip like we're recording right now. Actual Logan Blackman show video. We will start filming it tomorrow. I filmed some parts of it already on Sunday. Film more of it tomorrow, hopefully, if the weather stands up. If that does that make sense? If the weather holds up. There we go. But yeah, that's all we're going to do today. I'm out for today. I will see you all tomorrow. So have a good day and peace.